The higher you go in the organization, the less your job is about doing the work. Positional power can create fear because you're holding people's futures in your hands. People really don't care what you know until they know you care. If you're not leading with the heart, the rest doesn't matter. I'm Shauna Black, and you're listening to Tech Legacies Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast. I am your host, Fanny Dunnigan, where we come to you featuring technology executives, leaders, and professionals as they share their lessons, advice, and challenges that they face and how they overcame them throughout their technology career. And today I have with me Shauna Black. Shauna, how are you? I'm so great and so happy to be here with you always. It's always fun talking with you. It is. Yeah. You know, Shauna, every time I'm with you, I feel this sense of calm and grace about you. Thank you. And um, and you've seen it all, been here it all. I have. And then as a woman in technology as well, mm-hmm. um, what would you say is kind of like the the best piece of advice you've ever gotten throughout your career? You know, I think that the best piece of advice I ever got was also the hardest advice I ever got, mm-hmm. which was be yourself. So when I started in technology, I was, I'm a mechanical engineer by profession. So even in college, you know, less than three, four percent of us were women. And uh, so you, I, I w- I've been the only most of my career. And in every job I had in the Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000s that I was in, I was the first woman in every job. So there was no role model ahead of me that showed how women did that job. And when I entered technology, it was very much a hierarchical command and control directive, you know, um, power of position place. And uh, fear. Yeah, I think there was, you know, when you when you use power over people, even if you don't intend to, um, positional power can create fear because you're holding people's futures in your hands. And, um, you know, I entered that environment and it just didn't fit with me. I had spent my first part of my career as a uh, high school teacher where it's really about serving and growing people. And I came from parents who believed leadership was serving others. And they modeled it not only in our home, but in our church, in our community. They were volunteers all their lives besides being you know, working people. And, uh, and so I came into this environment where as I got promoted, I was supposed to direct and it just didn't fit who I was. And, and I think it also doesn't fit a lot of how we women operate. You know, we tend to be our, our systems. Um, I try not to use female versus male because I try not to be gender. I think we both have male and female halves. I do too. You know, the yin and the yang. I like to call it the, uh, uh, the divine goddess and the warrior. We all have those parts. But I think even today in the workplace, the warrior part is emphasized. And, um, but we're goddesses and we tend to do things very collaborative. 
in a collaborative, flat way, in a teaming way. And as I start got start being in leadership positions, it just didn't feel right to do it the way it was being modeled to me. And it wasn't fun for me. And so fairly early on, I realized if I was going to stay in this industry, I had to do it my way. And I was blessed with people who supported that and encouraged that and and thought it was a good addition to the culture. And where do you find the courage and drive to do something that's never been done before? Uh, maybe it was, in some ways, just blatant innocence. I don't know. I was raised with... I was. I'm I'm pretty whole brain. I was always good at math and science, but I love literature and writing. And uh, my dad was a geophysicist. My mom had a nursing background, so it was a mixture of you know science and yeah, service, left right? And right brain. And I I think one of the things that helped is I spent all my high school years in Sydney, Australia. I, my dad worked for oil companies, and we got transferred there. And that's the British school system. So I was in all girls schools. And I think there's something about single-gender schools. You are the leader. I wasn't competing with any boys for leadership positions. I, I was a leader. You know, I was class leader. I was team leader. You know, we could be the brightest girl in the science and math class, right? And it, it's interesting because I think it started there. I think it started there that, I, you know, it was okay to be those things. And then after I left that environment and went into engineering school, it was really the first time I got the message, girls don't belong here. But I think by 18, it was already too embedded in me. It was entrenched. Yeah. And I had parents who said, do whatever you want, right? Yeah. So again, you know, they were about serving and supporting me. So was there a certain low point in your career that you hit and then how did you get yourself out of it and and any lessons you learned along the way yeah so um i had been i i made vp at texas instruments in 10 years and it was really two factors one i was in the right place at the right time the culture was changing and two a vp had sort of began sponsoring me because he realized before I did that I was really good at cleaning up messes. And so he started moving me to his messes. And at, at that beginning, I thought that somehow I was being punished a little bit. I didn't really understand what he was doing because I'd go into a mess and we would clean it up and fix it and turn it around in two years. I'd be sitting back to enjoy it. And he moved me to another one. Um, but but it, it propelled my career. Until he moved me to working with a person that was a really bad boss. Mm. Um, and at that time, it was okay to be abusive. It was okay to be verbally and publicly abusive. Well, I wouldn't say that, but it was allowed. Yeah. They were not the norm. They, they were the exceptions, but it was or allowed. you just accept it. Yeah. And I was moved into another mess in a very big factory. And um, the factory manager knew that I had been moved into the mess. But 
I inherited all the mess. So all the frustration and anger he had about the mess was directed at me. And honestly, I didn't handle it very well at first. It, I took it very personally. It was the first time that I had run into corporate in that kind of really abusive behavior. And in fact, I got sick. I got about two months into the job, I got shingles and was completely from stress. And, and I knew it. And when I recovered from it, I realized I need help. And there was a woman um, that I knew, we weren't friends. She was already a VP of quality. Her name was Julie England. And she had worked with this person in different cities. She knew him really well. And, and I reached out to her. And that was a big deal because she was a VP. I was an MVP. She didn't know me. And I was going to reach out to her and say, I'm, I'm failing here. I, I don't know what to do. Was that frowned upon to ask for help? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't yet done that much, mm -hmm. right? It, it, was, it was before we had started forming the women's initiatives. This was probably, um, yeah, it was probably a couple of years before we started really actively bringing ourselves together. So we were more in silos. Um, but I asked her to go out to lunch, and she was amazing. Mm. In fact, I'll tear up just talking about it again. And she told me exactly how this man thought. She told me exactly how to handle him. She told me exactly what would influence him. And I went back and started following her coaching. She knew him really well. And um, slowly by slowly, I started winning over his trust and his confidence and influence. And two years later, we had turned around the organization, and he told me that I was the best person in that role that he had ever worked with. And that would not have happened if I hadn't been mentored. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think I, I had been mentored all through my life in different ways, but I think that was the first time I had been mentored at a time when I thought, I am going to fail. I can't, I, I can't figure this out. I can't figure this guy out. Nothing I do is right, you know, and, and she turned it all around. And so that's why, the, that's why me being there for other people is so important to me. Well, yeah, you're a coach and mentor yeah. to many people now, Shauna. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've what are like maybe three key pieces of advice that you would give and that you do give to your mentees nowadays? The first one is be yourself. You know, I can be the best Shauna in the world or I can be a second class somebody else, right? So be yourself. Um, the second one I think is a really hard one for a lot of people, ask for help, right? and ask for help early and often. Um, we have sort of this machismo heroic culture, right? Particularly in businesses, I think, but even in life. I mean, we sometimes do that even with spouses or partners. We don't ask for help early enough and fast enough. Um, I just got to watch this with my daughter a week ago. Um, 
but ask early and ask often and and know that if if you're asking other people will believe that they can ask you too it's a virtual cycle if you're never asking for help you're sending a message it's not okay to ask you for help that's a really dangerous trap and um, builds a wall it does help. it does and actually early in my career uh, I was sort of called on that by a friend. I had a friend say, you're always available to me, always. I want to pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now, and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services and they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity, and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. But you rarely asked me for help, and I felt terrible. And I realized the message I was sending her, her that wasn't okay, right? It's almost a gift. It's a gift. When we ask someone it's for help. such a right? gift. Because like, we create you. safety. We yeah. create safety. And I think the third thing is um, assume goodness about people, right? Assume goodness. So one of the biggest traps we all face is we make up stories mm. about people. We make stories up about bosses. We make stories up about friends. We make stories up about family. Um, and they're dangerous traps. And a frequent coaching I make with, with people I work with who are really struggling with people is, what story are you making up about them? Wow. My friend Marsha Clark says all the time, what else could be true, right? And so I think it's really powerful to understand that the story you're making up about their behavior, I mean, their behavior as well is, is real. It's, you can observe it. You can see it. But it's the story that puts the color around it. You really, we don't really know why they're behaving that way until we ask. So assume goodness. I know a core part of your teachings and coaching is heart-centered leadership absolutely what does that mean to you and why is that something that we can look to adopt as we move forward in our career yeah i think uh, uh i'm writing a book right now called grit and grace leading through crisis with leading with the heart through crisis i think that we again we really emphasize a lot in leadership today those things I call sort of the warrior skills, you know, focus, setting goals, productivity, productivity <laughs> powering through, you know, linear decision-making, um, even having a vision and a purpose, right? A lot of that is real warrior skills. But um, somebody told me a long time ago, people really don't care what you know until they know you care. And I think the, the goddess side of us, and again, I'll remind every men and women, we both have warrior and goddess. If you don't start with the heart, 
when you're leading and serving people. Remember, to me, leading is really about serving others and using your power with and for others. If you're not leading with the heart, the rest doesn't matter because you're not engaging people. You're not inviting them to be part of it. And you're leaving a lot of talent and passion and commitment outside the door. And for some reason in our cultures, it's uncomfortable for people to talk about leading from the heart. And um, I'm just bringing it out of the closet. Well, I hope to change it with this <laughs> podcast as well. I hope so. Um, I hope so. Because, you know, when I see a lot of times, especially women as well, mm-hmm. we get stuck at the mid-level mm-hmm. of our careers. Because mm-hmm. our skills, our experience, solving messes yes. Yes. gets us to the middle, Yes, right? The managerial supervisory mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a totally different set of skills to go from mid-level to executive or senior leadership. What do you think are the the turning points or those catalysts that can get us from mid to senior levels in our career? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things. One, there's some unconscious bias around women. And, you know, I'll just call it out. Men get promoted on potential. Women still get promoted on performance. Right. So that's why we can quickly get to mid-level because we are really good at delivering results. Right. But then you get to jobs that are less about results and more about vision and strategy and culture and taking big leaps and, um, we're not as good sometimes as at helping people understand the potential we have for that next level. And, and I'll first say we're dealing with this unconscious bias. M- men don't even understand that they're promoting us on different things. So we have to be able to communicate that and speak in their language. But I think the, sec- the second piece that allows us is to understand that the higher you go in the organization, the less your job is about doing the work and it's about getting work done through others. It's a whole different skill set, right? And getting work done through others requires really clear communication of vision and enrolling people in that vision and that purpose. It requires a culture that really can unleash people's potential And it requires um, the presence and the confidence to leap out and take bigger risk. And um, women are very capable of that. But we don't always communicate that, right? It was interesting to me working in technology. Men always told me what they had done. They always told me what they had accomplished. They always told me what they were looking for in the next job. They always told me about their next, you know, promotion. Women seldom did that because women are sort of raised to, you know, work hard, do a good job and wait for the invitation to the party. Waiting for the invitation. Right. Men are never waiting for the invitation. They just assume that they have to promote and help people understand what they've done 
so they get recognized and they get thought about the next place. So a, a big change that women have to make is also ask for what they want. Yes. And help people know what's the next thing that they're aiming for. I, I have a client right now um, who's already a VP, and she's told her management team that her goal is to be on the executive team. Ooh. I think that's amazing. I love that boldness. Yes. And, and, it, and, it, and it was well-received. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ambition. Like, yes. Bad respect to that yeah, too. Yeah. Don't don't be afraid yeah. to reach. Yeah. Um, real quick, because I wanted to kind of talk also about the the self doubt we have mm-hmm. as women. Because mm-hmm. you talk about taking risks, you need to take risks mm-hmm. to get to that next level. Yeah. But then self doubt also eats yeah. at us. Yeah. Right. Any advice around overcoming self doubt yeah. or addressing it? Yeah, so again, you know, self-doubt is always a story that we have inside of us. You know, I I call it my little Shauna. It's my little Shauna that's trying to protect me and, you know, protect me from failure and protect me from risk. And um, so when I hear that voice sort of saying, be careful, maybe it's too much, whatever, I actually say, look, I know you're just trying to protect me. But I'm Big Shauna, and I've got it. If that doesn't work, That's what I need to hear <laughs> because she, you know, lots of people call it our critical voice. I don't think it's our critical voice. I think it's our our younger Shauna who's just still trying to protect us, and she's been trying to protect us all of our lives because we're told to be careful, exactly, tread softly, exactly. Tread lightly, exactly. And it's all done out of love, but the problem is it shrinks us. And so I sometimes I this will I know this will sound funny, but sometimes I say to her, "I'm okay, but this is how you can help me." Oh. Right? If that doesn't work, then I pick up the phone and I call my trusted support system, mm-hmm. either my coaches, my dear friends, um, yeah. you know, uh, my sponsors, mm-hmm. and I speak my fear. Yeah. I think the greatest thing that keeps us small is again not sharing it everybody feels it I mean they people talk about you know women feel you know some people call this the imposter syndrome and and they say women feel it more well the data says no men and women feel it both men just deal with it differently I think if we don't speak it out it feels bigger the minute I call a trusted coach or a trusted friend and I tell them what's going on, they mirror back to me my magnificence. Mm. And, and, and they're trusted. So I believe them when they say to me, oh my gosh, are you kidding? You have this. Let me tell you why, right? And that's all I need to sort of be pushed forward. And I still deal with that today. You know, I'm I'm now expanding my business and I'm doing it in a new way. And that bubbles up a lot. Yeah. And I've found this spring I've had to make that phone call a lot. <laughs> but every time I'm sort of lifted up and I move forward. Ooh. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind, Shauna? What do you want to be remembered for? 
I want to be remembered for love. I want to be remembered by people that uh, working on our team was one of the best experiences of their whole lives. It was one of the best teams they ever worked on. And because of that, their marriage was better, their home was better, their community was better, because it does. It, if we have a joyful work, we take that home. If we don't, we take that home. And um, I think the second thing I want as a lex legacy is that people felt seen by me and valued, loved and valued. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Oh, for your it's always a pleasure yeah. talking with you. Um, you make it so easy. My my heart's always full <laughs> after talking to you. Well, it's really cool. It's really cool. I really. could do this with you forever. <laughs> Let's do it again when your I book launches. I would love to. Grit and grace. Grit and grace. Leading yep. with the heart. There you go, folks. So thank you for tuning in to the Tech Legacies video podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and ring that bell if you're watching this on YouTube. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Shauna, for all your wisdom. Thank you. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C-suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face -face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interests at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.